Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But I want to share a message today on something that actually affects each and every one of us. And I'm not talking about COVID-19. Although let's be honest, it has affected the whole globe at this point in time. But I'm not here to talk about COVID-19 because I'll leave that for other people to do. In actual fact, when you think about it, what did we used to talk about before COVID-19? I mean, it just takes up so much of our day. It takes up so much of the news. So I'm gonna leave that for other people to talk about. But I do wanna talk about something that uh, affects and addresses the worry associated not only with COVID-19, but some of the other issues that we are facing, either personally or within our families or as a church, etc., etc. Because let's be honest, if it wasn't COVID-19 that we were talking about and worrying about, then it would be something or someone else. And so the title of my message today is simply this, what a worry, worry is. What a worry, worry is. And I want to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 this morning. Matthew 26 verse 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body or what you wear. Probably should have thought about that, eh? But anyway. (laughs) Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, it says, they do not sow or reap or soar away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour or a single second to your life? We're talking about worry because this is what I know. Worry, anxiety, stress and pressure are a normal part of life. And so if you've felt worried, stressed or anxious in the last 24 hours or the last week, that doesn't make you a bad person. It simply means that you are breathing. We all face worry. That's why the Bible speaks into it, not to condemn us, but to help us. And I trust today this message will help us with the worry that comes our way. Because this is what I know. I do not believe that worry is something we're going to eradicate so much as we are going to learn to manage the worry that comes our way. And I should know because I consider myself a little bit of an expert on the subject of worry. I kid you not, when I was a kid growing up, I worried about everything. I actually thought I'm going to have a heart attack by the time I'm 10. I actually worried and thought about everything, things I shouldn't even know about. I not only knew about them, but I worried about them. One particular point in case is when I was seven years of age, my mum took me out of school for the day because I had to go to the hospital and have an x-ray in the chest clinic. And so I had the day off school. That's a, that's a win. That's a good thing. Any kid wants to get out of school and here I am out of school. It was a rainy, cold, wet winter's day in Adelaide, much like this morning, hence the jacket. And uh, I was driving with mum and uh, we were halfway to the hospital and the car broke down. Now, again, I'm off school and I'm with my mum. I have nothing to worry about, but I am freaking out. I am so worried. How are we going to get home? We'll never get home. I'll never see my dad again. The sky is falling. We're all going to die. That's where my little head and mind went. And the pressure it put on my heart. And uh, fortunately, where we broke down was right out the front of a delicatessen. 
And so mum uh, kind of got me and, we, and she ran me into the deli there and uh, she proceeded to buy lots of lollies for me to calm me down. And she made a phone call for the RAA to come and, and uh, it was all gonna be okay. And I'm still freaking out thinking, how are we gonna get home? And I'm eating lollies. I've got a day off school and the RAA is gonna come and fix the car. And I'm still panicking. My head was filled with all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of worry. And those thoughts as a young kid, I didn't know how to manage them. And I've had to learn over the years how to manage those thoughts so that the worry doesn't get a hold of me and exhaust me and wear me out and lead me to do things that I shouldn't be doing. And so when it comes to worry, the narrative that we give or how we see it is really important. When it comes to managing our worry, the narrative we give is so important. Some of you out there see worry as a real problem. You worry about everything, much like I was in the back in the day. I would worry about everything. You even worry about being worried. You're so worried. Now I'm, 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 I'm actually worried about worry. I'm worried where this worry is gonna lead me. I wonder the damage it's having on my heart. I wonder the damage it's having on my mind. Is there anyone in this room who is bold enough and honest enough to say, yeah, I'm kind of falling into that category. And when you're not worried, you're now worried about not being worried. You think, man, I should be worried about something. The fact that I'm not worried about something causes me to worry. Is this just a therapy session for me? Because that was me growing up. I worried about everything. And what I learned, the more I worried, the more worried I got. Not rocket science, but that was my reality. And I had to get a hold of my thoughts and begin to manage those thoughts. Otherwise, I think I would have had a heart attack by the age of 10. So there are some who feel like that and you fit into that category. There are others who see worry more positively. You see it as a way of avoiding bad things happening. You see it as a way of preparing yourself for the worst. You see it as a way of helping you find solutions to your problems. So you justify why you worry because you see it as being proactive. Some of you wear worry as a badge of honour, thinking that the, if I think about this long enough, I will figure a way out of this situation. My, my uncle in Queensland, Uncle Mike, I'll never forget when I first met him, I was 19 years of age. He'd just come over from the UK. I got to meet him and we were sitting down at the dinner table. We said, Tony, I love a good worry. And I'm like, 19, really, you love a good worry? Yeah, he wore it as a badge of honour because it was his way of problem solving. And again, while there's a measure of truth in that, unbridled, unchecked, unmanaged, that worry is gonna wear you out. And God does not want us worrying about these things, which brings me back to the Bible narrative. And the narrative we give is really important. So what does the Bible say about worry? And it's really simple. We've already read it. But in Matthew there, it says this, don't do it. In the chats, you might wanna put don't do it. Worry, don't do it. And it not only says don't do it, but it tells us a couple of reasons why we should not worry. And the first reason is this, don't do it because it doesn't work. Don't do it because it doesn't work. In other words, your worry is a waste of time. You don't add a single second to your day by worrying. In actual fact, you lose a lot, a lot of time worrying. So don't do it. Why? Because it doesn't work. In actual fact, 
About 90% of all that you and I worry about doesn't even happen. So all that time, all that mental energy, all that thinking that we give to our worries, most of it is not even gonna happen. And so whatever you're worried about today, know this to be true. Most of it, 90% of what you're thinking about and consumed with and worried about and losing sleep over is not even gonna happen. So God says, don't do it because it doesn't work. And the second reason He says don't do it, He says, because you are valuable. This is a beautiful thought. Don't do it because you are valuable. You know, all the do's and the don'ts in the Bible are founded on relationship. It's out of care and kindness that God says to do something. It's out of care and kindness for you and I that He says, actually, why don't you do this? And the reason He doesn't want us to worry and the reason the Bible says not to worry is not to condemn us when we are worried, but it's because He knows we will worry and wants to give us a hope and a way out of that which we are presently experiencing because we are valuable to Him. The Bible goes on to say that He cares for the birds of the field. If He cares for the birds of the field, how much more would He care for you? Because you are far more valuable than any animal on the planet. We are the pinnacle, as human beings, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are the apple of His eye and He loves us. I want you to know today that you are loved dearly by your Father in heaven. And He wants to do life with you. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to help you. He's here to set you free. And so I want, uh, I want everyone today, as we hear this message, not to leave condemned, but to leave healed and free. And hopefully it's a practical enough message to put into practice that can help us when we worry. Because let's be honest, we all do worry from time to time. Granted, some more than others, but I think we're all guilty of it from time to time. And hopefully this message today will help us manage our worry. Amen. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to the Old Testament with me, to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And we're going to look at a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon, like me, was a world champion warrior. He worried about a lot of things and I worried about a lot of things. And I'm in a room where people worry about a lot of things. People online worry about a lot of things. So we're in good company today. And basically at that time, the nation that he belonged to was under attack. And so as a result, he went into hiding. The nation Israel were under attack and Gideon finds himself hiding. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, we read that the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Interesting, to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13 says, But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And why are all the wonders that we, our Father told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I, sorry, am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I love this. 
and you will strike, uh, we will strike down all the Midianites together. What a, what a great thought that God was with Gideon as He is with us today. We're gonna learn a few things from Gideon's life and we're not here to condemn Gideon. We're not here to point a finger at him. We're here to learn from his life and hopefully all be better for Gideon. Hopefully when we get to heaven, we can say, thanks Gideon for the life lessons, amen. See, Gideon, like me, as I've already mentioned, was a world champion warrior. And he found himself hiding from the Midianites in a wine press, threshing wheat. That's weird, people. That's weird. He was in a wine press, threshing wheat. You know what you're meant to do in a wine press? You're meant to be making wine in a wine press, but here he is doing something that he shouldn't be doing in a place that he shouldn't be doing it. And that's what worry does. It makes you do strange things. It makes you do things in places that you shouldn't be, doing things that you shouldn't be doing. I want that to sit, hit home this morning because here's Gideon in a place he shouldn't be doing, something that he shouldn't be doing. And yet, God still met with Gideon. And no matter where you are at this morning and no matter what you are facing this morning and no matter what you are going through this morning and no matter how bad or how hard life may be for you right now or no matter how confused you may be right now and no matter what you secrets you've got in the closet and no matter what you're hiding right now, God loves you. He's madly and passionately in love with you. And just like Gideon, He wants to meet with you. Not only here in this room, but you online. He wants to meet with you right where you are, right here, right now. God loves you and wants the best for you. And if God will meet with Gideon, who is a man doing something that he shouldn't have been doing in a place that he shouldn't have been doing it, he will meet with you, even if you have been doing things you shouldn't be doing. And yes, God knows about that. I might not know about it. You may have a great mask and a great facade, but God sees through. He knows you fully. And this is a beautiful thing. When you come to God, you become fully known. It's a beautiful thing to know that you are fully known and yet at the same time, fully loved. And so God wants to reassure Gideon and so He sends an angel. And this is where the story gets really cool. It kind of, for me, has a kind of a Monty Python edge to it because this angel comes and stands before Gideon and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I don't know about you, but to see an angel, I think would be pretty cool. In actual fact, it's on my bucket list. I'd love to, you know, tick, tick, seeing an angel. Who here would love to see an angel? I mean, a celestial being come and visit you. I mean, that's pretty cool. And, and that's what's happening here. This angel stands before Gideon. And not only does he stand before Gideon, but what he says is really powerful. It's not like he has a visit from a celestial being and says, what are you doing? I mean, that'd be terrifying. You know, why are you in here doing that in this place? But here's one of those cool prophetic words. So, hey, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So, you know what? You've got a celestial being visited by an angel. I mean, that's awesome. And you get a positive word. I mean, that's like winning. That's like win, win. And you would think Gideon in that moment would be super stoked, would be super happy, would be super encouraged. Most of you said, man, if I could just see God, if I could just see an angel, I would be encouraged. Well, that's exactly what's happening here for Gideon. 
And yet his response is quite phenomenal because he doesn't get excited, but he starts whinging and he starts whining with an angel. Point in case, worry always leads to whinging. Nothing positive ever comes out of worry. And here he is whinging and whining because of his worry. You would think he'd be happy, but no, he argues with an angel. And some of these arguments are the age old arguments that you and I have had. For example, why is this happening to us? Has anyone through COVID said, why is this happening? Had a bad day, why is this happening? And in this moment right now, if that is true for you, we're no longer talking about Gideon, we're talking about us. And it goes on, he says, where's God? How many of you have ever said, where's God? Now I know we're all Christians, so we never do that. But I have. God, where are you? What's going on? And what about this one? How could you let this happen? Gideon's saying all these things thousands of years ago that you and I are saying today. And not only that, then he he has a dilemma about, you know, you're asking me to do something. Why me? Here I am, Lord, send him. I mean, like, why me? (laughs) Why me? How, How can I help? What can I do? My clan is the weakest. I mean, I don't know if you know God, but we live in Adelaide. We're not Melbourne. We're not Sydney. This is not the Gold Coast. We don't have many attractions like the Gold Coast does. We're not Perth with all of its money. This is Adelaide. What good can come from Adelaide? Why would you choose to use Adelaide? And then it gets worse. He says, and, 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 and not only am I in Adelaide, but if you see my family, we're not the brightest bunch. We're really not. In actual fact, we're kind of social outcasts. And, and within this family, have you, have you looked at the family? I'm the least of our family. And, and here's Gideon having it out. He said, I, I, I'm the middle kid, the overlooked, neglected, misunderstood, ignored, middle child. And all the older ones have their story and the young ones have their story. And all those things just hold us in a place. And if you feel a little bit like this or maybe even a lot like this, take heart because there is a way forward. I wanna highlight three things this morning from Gideon's life that hopefully will help you, not only today, but ongoingly. And the first one is simply this. Number one, we need to get proper perspective. We need to get proper perspective. Poor old Gideon, like many of us, had lost all sense of perspective. He failed to see what God could see. Much like you and I, we fail to see what God can see. And what I know about the problem is this, the problem is never the problem. The problem is always the way we see the problem. I remember as a young kid growing up, 
like many of you, on that Saturday morning in November, we would go to town to see the Christmas pageant. It's one of the things we do here in Adelaide. When there's no other attractions like in other states, we go to the pageant. And I've got great memories as a kid growing up, going to the pageant year after year. But I never forget specifically one year, we got there a little bit later. And so we had people standing in front of us that I couldn't see. And I was a little bit upset with the fact that I couldn't see what I'd come to see and, and so I had a few tears. And I'll never forget what my dad did for me. He did for me what many of your dads did for you. He picked me up and he put me on his shoulders and my perspective changed. And I was able to see what I couldn't see before. I was able to see from his perspective. Gideon had lost perspective. The good news is this, that my dad in that moment was bigger than me. And he was stronger than me. And so he could pick me up and put me on his shoulders and I was able to see things I couldn't see before. And the good news is that God is bigger than you, that God is bigger than me. He can see what we can't. And there is something that we need to know about how God sees things. See, God views everything from a place of completion. In other words, He always starts at the end. God always starts at the end. In Psalm 139 verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. How can you see an unformed body? Because that's what God is into. God sees things from completion. It says, All the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. God views your life, He views my life from a place of completion. In other words, God has already seen your future. God has already seen my future. It's like the other day when I was watching the highlights of the EPL, came down to the last round of the season, which has just closed up. And Manchester United, are there any Manchester United fans out there? Please give me a wave. And you need to get a little bit excited when I say what I'm about to say, because in the 9am, this fell a little bit flat. I promise you, I've gone off football. I'm not talking about football now. There's just no value in talking about football based on where the Adelaide Crows are right now. So I'm gonna stick to the EPL, English soccer or English football. And the last round uh, was really important because depending on whether Manchester United won, lost or draw would depend on where they would land on the table. And a draw or a loss would take them out of the top four and Europe would be close to them. And so they needed to win the game. And so uh, I woke up the next morning and and heard the result that Manchester United did in fact win the game, 2-0, which was awesome. They finished third on the table and Europe is open to us again. Amen, hallelujah, praise God. Let's just spend praise break. (laughs) And because I knew the right, I just I actually wanna watch the game. And so I I re-watched the game. But here's the interesting thing. As I was watching the game, because I knew the result, it didn't matter what happened in the game, I wasn't flustered. At half time, it was still nil all. Now, without knowing the end of it, come on, we're, we're, but I was just calm. And when the opposition made a break and they had a shot at goal, it's not going in. And when the pressure was on, I said, we win the game. I've seen the end. And it's amazing how calm I was watching a highlights reel because I knew the end result. And that's how God responds to us. He's not panicking like we're panicking. He's not worried like we're worried because He's seen the end. 
He's seen the end. And you and I need to take hope that God has seen the end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, He's the beginning and He is the end. He's immune from process. He has no tomorrow. He has no yesterday. He just is. Here's the thought. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? I'll say that again. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Because He just knows. And in this state of knowing, God calls Gideon a mighty warrior. How could he be so uh, secure? How could he be so certain? Because he's seen the end. He's seen the end. He'd already seen Gideon's future and God has already seen your future. He's already seen my future. And so as a result, we don't have to worry. We can relax. Just take a big deep breath right now. <sighs> Online, just big deep breath. Fantastic. It almost feels like a Pilates class. Just. <laughs> Secondly, use the strength you have. We're talking about managing our worry. Use the strength you have. The angel said to Gideon, go in the strength you have. And Gideon's response is so like us. We're like, are you kidding me? What about this situation do you not understand? I'm in a wine press, threshing wheat, hiding for my life. Where's the strength in that? Come on, where what strength? I don't have any strength. That's my point. I've had enough. I'm tired. I've had a gut ball. I can't go on. Bit of therapy. Anyone else found themselves saying that? To that I would say, Gideon, go in that strength. The strength you have to tell an angel, you don't have any strength. The strength you have to stand up to an angel. Now the interesting thing about angels, whenever they're mentioned in Scripture, the first thing that comes out of the mouth is, don't be afraid. In other words, these aren't just little good news Bible angels. These are strong celestial beings that terrify people when they rock up. And here's little old itty bitty scared Freddy cat Gideon saying, no, I'm not gonna do that. Who do you think you are? Why is God? What? That's pretty strong. There's a lot of strength in that. And then you're saying, why are you doing that strength? He's pretty strong with me right now. See, so you're stronger than you think you are. I really do believe that you are stronger than you think you are. Some of us are very strong about our weaknesses. See the irony? I'm so weak. I'm being very strong about that. Some of us are very eloquent about what we can't say. Some of us are very good at saying we're no good. So that was pretty, the way you articulated that, the way you said that, that was pretty good. And some of us have a lot of faith for bad things to happen. And if you have a lot of faith for bad things to happen, guess what? You can have a lot of faith for good things to happen. See, there's a power at work in all of us. One of my favourite passages of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. 
Here's my question is, what power is at work within you? Is it faith, hope and love? Or is it worry, fear, doubt and unbelief? And we have the power, we have the opportunity to turn that around today because it's not according to our power, it's according to His power. Is this helpful this morning? So use the strength you have. And every one of you is a lot stronger than you give yourself credit for. Number three is simply this. Don't make it any harder than you have to. Don't make it any harder than you have to. Before Gideon went and defeated the enemy, he was asked to do a task. The angel said, you have, your father has an idol, which is an abomination to God. And I want you to tear down your father's idol before we take on the enemy. Let's get the foundation right. And so Gideon is now faced with another dilemma. He's got to actually stand up to his family, tear down the idol, and he's freaking out because his family's not going to like it. And the townspeople are not going to like it. Let's see what he does in Judges chapter 6, verse 27. It says, So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did, this is really important, as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid, underline that, but because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Rather than making a big song and dance about it, rather than making the job a lot harder than it needed to be, he did it at night. Why? Because he was afraid. But he still did it. I've heard people tear Gideon down that he was a fraidy cat and he did it at night. And God, we don't want any of these uh, kind of uh, secret Christians. We want bold Christians. Hey, what I see is a man who's terrified, but did it anyway. And he recognised where he was at. And because of where he was at, he made a decision to make it just a little bit easier for him because it's better to make it a little bit easier and be obedient than make it hard of yourself and procrastinate. So he went at night. You know, for me, Public speaking used to terrify me. Many of you who know me and have been around for a while know that during my schooling years, I would not stand in front of a class and speak. And then I got out of school and I got involved in a great church and a great youth group and and, uh, people started to see things on my life and and call those things out. And I was asked to speak. And I, I, I tell you, when I was asked to speak, all those thoughts those kids laughing at me as I stood in the class and nothing came out of my mouth. All those thoughts flooded back in again, broke out into a sweat. So I can't do this. I thought church was meant to be a safe place. Surely God wouldn't stretch you and make you uncomfortable. Doesn't He love me? All that stuff. And I remember making this decision. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make it as easy as possible for myself. And so it wasn't on a stage in front of hundreds of people. It wasn't even on a stage. It wasn't even in a church building. I said, what's the smallest home group we have? And I went to the smallest home group that we had in the church that time, handful of people. And there I did my first public talk. It wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. I don't know if anyone even remembers it. And hopefully if there is a God, they won't remember because I don't even know what I said. But I came up with this sense of, I did it. I did it. And that's been my journey, little by little, slowly but surely. And here I stand today, really making a living out of standing before people and talking as a big part of what I do. But it didn't start here. 
It started with me being obedient, but because I was terrified, because I was worried, sick, I made it as easy as possible. Don't let procrastination rob you. Don't let worry rob you taking your first step. Don't let it. Let's make decisions that ultimately benefit us. You know, this season of COVID may be difficult, but if you've got to saturate yourself with every news article about the subject, it's going to make it harder. So I would say, how about you turn the radio off, turn the television off and put worship music on? Why make it any harder? Why do you have to know everything about this disease, everything about this virus? Where are we at if it's only causing you more worry? Why would you do that? I would say in this season, you may need to hang around certain people and not hang around certain people. There are some people that are just just unhelpful in certain seasons. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they're not good for you. And why make a tough season tougher by hanging around the wrong people? We need to assess our friendship base regularly. I would say don't put yourself in a compromising position. You know, one thing I love doing and being is being a dad. Seeing our kids grow up is just awesome and facing the many challenges that come their way. But for our two oldest ones, to see them kind of fall in love and, 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 and uh, enjoy a, a relationship with, with someone that they're really fond of and, and uh, knowing that uh, they want to be pure and, and, and stay holy and to be able to navigate that. And I, I've really enjoyed the wisdom and maturity that our kids have displayed because they, they want to pursue a relationship, which is godly, but they want to do it in a godly manner. And so they've got to put some healthy boundaries in place. And again, the do's and don'ts aren't the Bible, of the Bible are not about what you can and can't do so much as this is what's going to help you and this is what's going to hinder you. God's all about relationship and whatever's going to hinder the relationship, don't do it. The Bible's full of that. And He's for relationships. So whatever's going to help the relationship, do that. And I'm so glad that they were able to make some good decisions and not put themselves in compromising positions as they pursue a relationship. That's not legalistically imposed. That's wisdom based upon wanting to live pure, wanting to live right, and not wanting to make this season of dating any harder than it is. It's one thing to try and be pure for the wedding day, but to actually live that out, that's tough. That's tough on a good day. Young man, young woman, it's tough. But we can make it a lot easier if we put some of those boundaries in place. Church, this is what I believe. God was wanting to get our attention. That He wants to say something to you. He wants to talk to you about your purpose and your destiny. Not only those in this room, everyone online right now, God is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to speak to your destiny. He's wanting to speak to you about your purpose. See, God is in the business of turning warriors into warriors. God found Gideon in a wine press, doing something he shouldn't have been doing in a place he shouldn't have been doing it. And he's looking for you. And he's willing to meet you right where you are, right here, right now. With your worries, with your fears, with your doubts, with your uncertainties, God is willing to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. And I believe he's saying to you, like he's saying to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. So today, if you feel weak, If you feel afraid, you're an ideal candidate for God to use. Will you stand with me this morning? In order for the 
outworking of this message to have its full effect, we need to surrender. We need to surrender to the one who is bigger than us. We need to surrender to the one who is stronger than us. Do you know the reason why we worry so much is because we're carrying something we were never designed to carry. In Matthew chapter 11, there's this beautiful invitation from Jesus Christ Himself. If you're tired, if you're wearied, if you're worried, if you're burnt out, if you're hurting, there's a beautiful invitation. And I wanna invite you all. Online today, I wanna invite you as we continue worshipping Him. But let me first read Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, freaking out, upset, worried, sick, traumatised and burnt out. And I'll give you rest. Who wants rest? It's on offer. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Why? For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Before we sing, before we worship together, can you do something right now? Maybe you can do this online at home. Just raise your hands to heaven as a sign of surrender right now. I'd love to pray for you. Father, we thank You for Your incredible grace that's on offer today. We thank You that uh, there's an invitation to come to You to lay down our worries, to lay down our fears, to lay down our uncertainty. We do that right now. We give to You that which we were never designed to carry. And I pray as a result, You would come in like a flood and bless and heal and protect and strengthen. Grant Your joy and Your peace to every precious person right here, right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.